Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see that I have. As he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, your witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, today we, we hear from the Gospel of Luke, and if you uh, noticed, if, if you remembered, last week was actually from the Gospel of John. So you always hear that at the beginning, the Gospel according to, and we've got four different ones, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John is what we heard last week, and this week is Luke, both accounting the same events, but from different points of view, right? From different people who remember different aspects about it, who emphasize different aspects of, about it, and kind of put it in different contexts for us. And so Luke has given us the road to Emmaus. And so these two disciples that we hear about at the beginning, they just went to Emmaus and Jesus appeared to them. And then they run back to the apostles. And that's when Jesus appears to them for the first time. In John's gospel, Jesus just appears to them. Now, uh, they are told differently, and we could say, well, who has the right story? And what we'd say is that, well, they all do. <laughs> they all have the true story. They all are, are right. And what often happens, in fact, police know this, that if the story is exactly the same, uh, we know that we've got some problems because people do not remember the same thing happening, right? When you have multiple witnesses, they often see multiple different things because that's the way that our mind takes in information, right? Different things stand out to us. And so thankfully, Luke, we've got four different Gospels to tell us four different aspects of the resurrection and what stand out to them in the resurrection, okay? So in, uh, and, and the things that correlate, that are the same, we know are important, right? That, that are really true within that. Or even, it's all true, um, but especially is important. Okay, maybe is a better way to say it. And just like in the Gospel of John, where Jesus said twice, peace be with you. Actually, he said it three times, appearing two different times. Um, and this time again, 
Luke accounts, right? What is this important first thing that Jesus says when he appears for the first time to the res- in the resurrection to the apostles? Peace be with you. How important that is that it's accounted in these two different accounts. Peace be with you is the first thing that Jesus tells us. And he says that to us again. And he tells us that peace be with you. How important that is. But yet they were still startled and terrified, right? Because they weren't exactly sure what was happening, right? Even though that Jesus told them that he needed to die and rise from the dead, they still didn't believe, understand, know exactly what that meant. And so there was a bit of hesitation in the midst of it all. And so they weren't exactly sure. So Jesus has to kind of reveal and say, well, here I am. And, and how am I appearing to you? Well, sometimes the idea can be is that uh, they were just hallucinating or that he's just a ghost, right? And Jesus specifically uh, addresses both of those problems. He says, look, touch me and see because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, right? And so he says, I'm right here. You can feel me. And then to make sure that he's not a hallucination, he even goes so far as to say, uh, do you have anything here to eat, right? And he took a piece of baked fish and took it and ate it in front of them to just show that far, hey, I am resurrected body and soul, right? So that's important for us to to know within that. Uh, The other thing that I think is really important is the way in which he says, he says, how, how do we know that it's Jesus? Well, he says, look at my hands and my feet. Now, what's so special about his hands and his feet? Well, right, he just underwent the crucifixion and his death. So he would have had what we call the glorious wounds of Jesus Christ, right? That he still had a wound in his hands and in his feet, right? In the Gospel of John, the doubting Thomas, right, says, unless I put my finger in his, in his wound and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Well, Jesus here is again saying, right, in a different account, saying, look, it's me. Look at my hands and my feet. Now, I think this is also an important uh, for us to note is that Jesus in his resurrected body, we can sometimes imagine that at the resurrection, right, everything returns to normal. Or everything is the same. But what's beautiful about the resurrection, the glorified body, that we actually see in the representation often of the sacred heart, uh, which we've got a statue here as well as we've got one uh, in the side, and you can often see it, is that his wounds don't go away. And why is that important? Well, it's important because uh, Jesus continues to suffer for us. Not in the same way, right? He's not still being crucified. But yet every single time that we sin, it still hurts him. But Those are glorified wounds because what he sacrificed out of love for us uh, and suffered for us is now a badge of honor in some ways. A glorious wound because we know how much they they show. It's one of the important aspects as well that we need uh, continually reminded within the Christian life is that Jesus came so that we might have abundant life. He didn't come so that we might avoid all forms of suffering. He didn't come so that we could be comfortable in our life. Jesus actually came and he said, I want you to have life abundant. I want you to be, uh, have love and purpose and meaning 
and live life to the full, which doesn't mean an absence of pain or suffering, doesn't mean comfort in all situations. In fact, in many cases, requires a certain suffering love. If we're going to love authentically and really that gives purpose and meaning to life, we're going to suffer. And Jesus Christ bears those wounds of love on his body forever, for eternity. It's one of the very uh, clear um, uh, demonstrations of who Jesus is. One of, uh, one of the stories that's uh, kind of a legend um, in the midst of so many different saint stories was St. Teresa of Avila, who lived in kind of the Middle Ages, uh, was a contemporary of St. John of the Cross. St. Teresa and St. John of the Cross are just two big powerhouses uh, in, in the spiritual life, in the church, and in the saints. And St. Teresa of Avila experienced a lot of different uh, um, visions of, the different, of Mary and of Jesus as well. And legend has it that one time Jesus appeared to St. Teresa of Avila, but he didn't have any wounds. And St. Teresa of Avila right away dismissed this vision as not being Jesus. Uh, And it was actually the devil. Satan can appear as an angel of the light, but he can't imitate Jesus' glorious wounds because he does not understand suffering in the midst of it all. So Satan can appear as an angel of the light, and he appeared as Jesus Christ. And St. Teresa of Avila was able to right away and just say, oh yeah, that's not, that's not Jesus, because he didn't have the glorious wounds. And, and the, the legend goes that Satan was kind of surprised that she was able to you know, pick him out right away. And kind of as he was leaving, he said, well, how did you know? Well, because you didn't have the glorious wounds. Of course, you're not Jesus. Um, and it's a reminder for us in our spiritual life, again, who Jesus comes to us as, as not somebody who's just preaching the gospel of comfort and avoidance, but instead a gospel of love and charity, which ultimately calls us to repentance. This is one of the other things that I kind of said, right? That both of the gospels, Jesus comes and said, peace be with you. One of the other threads that we see within all the readings today is a repentance for our sins, uh, which whenever we see that repent, uh, that repetitiveness in the Gospels or in the readings, we should pick it up, right? Our ears should hear that. And so Jesus, in uh, the Gospel of Luke, at the very end of the Gospel, he says, he says this is that Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, right? And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached, It's not just the good news of, hey, everything's good. Jesus rose from the dead. It it is that good news, but also the good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Then we also hear in the first reading where St. Peter gets up for the first time and is able to preach. Now, this isn't right after the resurrection. This is actually 50 days. Uh, What's kind of weird is that the Gospels are actually happening before both of the first two readings, so it's kind of out of order and everything else. It's a little bit confusing. And so the first reading actually takes about 50 days after the resurrection when Peter finally receives the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and finally has the courage and the grace to go out and preach the gospel. And one of the most important things that he preaches is he says, Christ would suffer, 
repent. And so the final line of like, okay, so you hear all this good news that Jesus Christ came and he, he died out of love for you and he fulfilled all of the scriptures. So what do we do? And his response is, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins might be wiped away. So what do we do in that? We recognize that we as human beings, uh, baptized Christians who, who accepted the grace from Jesus Christ, want and desire to live in the truth and to live in the mercy of God. However, we recognize that we aren't always there. The, God, the second letter, the letter from St. John, says, you know, uh, I know th- um, it, um, it kind of gives two different options. Either you're completely in God and you do not sin, or you do sin and, and you're a liar. So he actually says, those who say, oh, I know him, Jesus, but do not keep his commandments are liars and the truth is not in them. Mm. Those are pretty hard words. Those are pretty hard words. But he also says the way we should know, we should know that we know him is keep his commandments, right? So how do we struggle in this tension of living in the resurrection, desiring God, but also recognizing that we're not always perfect, right? We don't always follow his commandments, right? Myself included, right? I'm not perfect yet. Uh, give me a few more years, right? Um, And same with all of us, right? We desire and hope that we are perfected when we're ready to be with him forever in heaven. But God has given us many different tools to help us in this life. And that we are called not to repent once and and then be converted and then we're perfect. But actually, it's a continual conversion process. It's a continual repentance process process, a continual acknowledgement and welcoming in the light, and to be able to say, I'm not perfect. I, fa- I fail at times and I hurt Jesus, but yet his love is greater. Yet I continue to repent. And in that continual repentance, I am continually converted. I am continually perfected. And I continue to invite God more into my life. We do that in so many different ways. We did that in our baptism. We did that, uh, we do that whenever we go to reconciliation, especially. That's a great time of repentance and conversion of heart. But we also do it every single time that we receive communion, right? Maybe we didn't get to choose our baptism, but every single time that we come up for communion, that is a time to reaffirm our faith and to also repent and to ask for the Lord's mercy, right? And one of the best ways in which we receive Jesus Christ is in the true presence of the Eucharist. The resurrected Jesus Christ, who is truly present in the Eucharist, in the midst of this all. And that helps us in our repentance, in our forgiveness, in our conversion, having Jesus Christ with us in this great gift that he continues to give us, being open and willing and suffering out of love for us in the great gift of the Eucharist. And so we hold this tension, this tension of being uh, called to to be perfect, right? To follow all of God's commandments and recognize that we're not perfect there yet. And that, to a certain extent, we're liars and we're not, we're not with him completely yet. And so we're called to repentance. We're called to that forgiveness of sins. We live in that tension of having the resurrected Jesus Christ who came and gave us life abundant, but yet experiencing the suffering and the continual need of our conversion. 
It's okay. We're somewhere in there. But what's beautiful about it is that God knows that, right? Is that he did not come so that uh, everything we see, right? If, if he wanted to f- fix everything and for us not to suffer at all, he, he could have done it. Uh, but, but he didn't. He has a bigger plan in mind. He has a bigger plan of love. And so may we participate in his plan, uh, in his kingdom, as we do every single Mass, as we do every single time that we say yes to him. So let us continue to say yes. Let us continue to be converted, continue to repent, and continue to grow and live in Jesus' life as, uh, as he continues to call us.